Hi, welcome to Christ Covenant Sermon Talkback. This podcast is a ministry of Christ Covenant Church in Atlanta, where our pastors and members dig deeper into the sermon and its text together. Our goal is to consider new questions and observations while looking at the passage so that we might more practically apply God's word to our life. If you have a question for our pastors, please feel free to engage our text to pastor line at 404-465-1737. Or if you'd like to find more resources from our church like this one, please visit ChristCovenant.com forward slash resources. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoy our sermon talk back. Uh, well, I'm joined today with Lou Priolo. Lou, we, we uh, have just been in a heated discussion over the uh, sermon. of terms. Yeah, the this, this sermon yesterday. And so I talked a lot about um, worldliness. I talked a lot about narrative. I talked a lot about tribe. So... <clears throat> I think that maybe in the past, like I'll say like, you know, the church of 30 years ago, worldliness would have been understood as like drinking, partying, um, dancing. Yeah, you're talking to a baby boomer. So it's like, love not the world, neither the things of the world for all that is in the world. You know, lust of flesh, love the eyes, pride of life. All these are of the world. So right, that, right. That's when when I heard that word. That's immediately where my where your mind, mind goes. Yes. Right, and and I think that like I meant. I guess I I guess I meant worldliness in the sermon more broadly um, to mean the spirit of the age, the right. spirit of the times, thinking that is of the world. You, you're not saving the things of uh, God, but the things of man. That kind of thing. Right. 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 And and like we gave the analogy of the Sabbath day, right? Mm-hmm. And so in the time of Jesus, it would have been thought to do any work on the Sabbath is disobedient. It's I'll use this worldly, right? But Jesus actually comes and kind of redefines it. He says, No, no, no. You're worldly. Like you're of the world. You are so legalistic. You are so um you were so concerned about appearances mm-hmm. that you're missing the point of the whole law, which is to know God and to reflect God. A man was just healed, and you are so concerned with the appearance of breaking the Sabbath that you missed the bigger thing that was happening. And so in that case, even though it maybe looked like Jesus was more worldly, really it was the Jewish people around that were more worldly they were their their sin i would say was pride it was uh this kind of religious uh fundamentalism that that gave them power it was this um uh you know it was a misunderstanding of the law it was a misunderstanding of what god had revealed that was their sin and so jesus is bringing a corrective there um and so yeah anything in like in our day today um someone might see something that maybe is wrong like and 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 this is where i think the the conversation gets really interesting um and there's there seems to be a lot of people today that in the name of righteousness mm-hmm. and maybe the righteousness they're defending is actually righteousness right mm-hmm. but in the name of righteousness or the defense of that righteousness they have taken on 
a very worldly method. Um, and so, I mean, you know, I, I think a good place to go is just the the celebration of some of the triteness and um, and demeaning manner that we can see in like some political figures, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. By Christians. Now, what these political figures may be demeaning may actually be sinful. It may Worthy be of, wrong. Yeah. It may be immoral. It may yeah. be evil, right? But the posture in which the political figure is going about bringing the critique and, they, and then the posture that the Christians are celebrating. For example, using not just sarcasm, but using biting sarcasm. That, right. That's intended to insult the other person rather than right. to build up the other person. And so, and so it, it, the, the, the irony is this. In trying to defend, you know, or in trying to correct worldliness, Christians are actually celebrating a worldly method, a, a, a worldly way, right? Mm -hmm. And this got to kind of the worldliness creep that I was talking about later. Um, and there is a tension here. And this is one of the questions I wanted to talk about with you. Yeah. How on the one side do we hold, and I'm just going to use the word orthodoxy, do we hold on to orthodoxy? And when I say orthodoxy, it's like, what does that mean? What I'm really trying to do is I'm trying to find a word that means at the heart of what is true, at the heart of what God intends, at the heart of Christ, right? What is the most orthodox thing? It is the heart of Christ, right? So that's what I'm trying to talk about there. What is actually pure, right? In order to defend orthodoxy, a lot of times, and I see this in the church a lot, a lot of times Christians can be incredibly harsh, demeaning, and mean, condescending, proud, condescending, arrogant, yes, unreasonable, right, unfair, right, toward yeah. another believer, right. And it's not that that person doesn't need correction. You and I were talking about a, a pastor that we both know who brought a correction to something, and I think you and I, in principle, would both agree with the correction that the pastor was giving. Um, and maybe not even in principle, we probably outright agree with the correction that he was giving. Yeah. I think, but yeah. the the way that he was giving it in right. this in this to me, I would say it was almost a greater sin than the than the sin that he was critiquing. Uh, it's kind of like when Jesus said, "I mean, what I kind of saw in that is like you're 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 missing the weightier things of the law here." Um, so anyway, I don't know. To to get to your point, it's a it's a textual problem in the text. But you remember when um, James and John wanted to call down fire from heaven, yeah, because they wouldn't. Right. Yeah, yeah. 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 And so Jesus says to them, "It's really good." He says, "You know not what manner of spirit you are of. You don't know what kind of attitude you have." Yes. And I think that's what you're trying this to is what talk I'm about to here. This attitude that is ungentle, not humble. Um, that is uh, um, more contentious than it is edifying. Well, and it gets to the point of the text that happens later. It's ultimately self-aggrandizing. It's self-glorifying. I want people to listen to me as a Christian. I want people to think I'm right. I want people to think I'm smart, right? So do you. But my hope is I want the Lord to be glorified in what I say and in how I say it, right? And so, and and when I am not perceived to be wise or smart or righteous 
or when you know people judge the way the things that I'm saying, uh, you know, wrong as wrong or as bad. I think there's two responses. There is a God motivated um, response and a self motivated response, and I think that this is what Jesus is saying here. At, at the end of the passage from John 7. Well, I mean, when he, when he says, if you speak of your own authority, you're seeking your own will. Right, right, right. right. And so I can go out when somebody disagrees with me mm. and flex and try to put them down. And I've done that, right? I mean, I, this is a, a sophomoric thing. When I gained a lot of wisdom and understanding, I would run around and f- of the Bible and of theology and of doctrine. I would flex that a little bit. We, we call that at Southern Seminary the cage rule, right? When you When you... You, you you fill a man up with a bunch of knowledge. Um, you should uh, put him in a cage for a couple of years because he can just go around and beat everybody to death with it, right? Yeah. Um, but then there's a the God-honoring response. And, and the God-honoring response, I think, cares just as much or more about the actual truth. But the posture toward the other person is one of, love and compassion and grace and I mean, mercy. That, that's the key. I mean, it's what, what's my motivation? I mean, whether you use a little bit of sarcasm or irony or, you know, let your speech be always with grace, season with salt, use a little salt. That's not the most important issue. I think the issue is your motive. Are you, are you using these forms of communication because you love the other person and you want to guide the truth of God's word around his mental roadblocks? Right. Or do you just want to win the argument when the day is over and say, I'm right, you're wrong. Once you admit that you're wrong, then the conflict will be resolved. And I think that posture right there, that self-flexing kind of posture is actually doing a lot of damage yeah. to the church. Yeah, it and is. It, it really is a burden that I have right now. And and, it, it grieves me when I see men that I love and respect, you know, just kind of stepping over the line a little bit because it, it does come across unloving. And I think that, I think one of the reasons I'm so burdened by it mm-hmm. is people's reaction to that. It's because they see the sinfulness of that. They throw the baby out with the bathroom. Is then to reject yeah. the orthodoxy right. that those people are trying to defend. Yeah. And and so I, I just think it's, it's such a losing battle. Um, and so I, I want to be a Christian that represents our Lord rightly. And again, I'm not saying, I'm not trying to put myself forth as an example here, but I, I do think the Lord is allowing me in this moment to see the worldliness of this hyper tribalism. And that was another word you wanted me to define. Mm-hmm. I, when I use the word tribe, when I use the word tribe on Sunday, I, I wasn't talking about tribe as like ethnic Ethnicity. tribe. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I was, and, and, and I actually think this is a better use of the word tribe, at least in the United States of America. I mean, we are not very ethnically driven people. Um, you are an Italian citizen. You're probably more ethnically driven than most people I know because you have some sort of like heritage or roots that, mm-hmm. you know, that point to something. Um, si, certo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but most Americans are more mutts, right? And mm-hmm. so we, we, we don't have such a strong ethnicity. We don't have such a strong, but the, the way that we align ourselves, the way that we organize ourselves, the way that we think about communal belonging um, is political. Uh, it may be locational, right? You know, there's a lot of like state pride, like in, you and I have both lived in Alabama. There's a lot of state pride in Alabama. Sure. Um, Will's lived in Alabama too. I mean, I think it's more than Georgia, don't you? More state pride? Yeah. yeah. 
What do you think? Probably so. I think so. Yeah. I mean, because I think Georgia is more universal. Georgia is more global. It's more, you know, like who's actually from Georgia in Georgia, at least in Atlanta. I don't know what it's like out in, you know, Putnam County or something. But um, but anyway, so it's geographical, it's political, it's education, socioeconomic class. That's how people kind of understand themselves. It's less ethnic. Um or it may even be like more specific than that. Like it may be Christian or it may be like reform Christian or it may be like, you know, Presbyterian reform Christian or, you know, there's these like small little tribes. And again, that's fine, right? People are going to have uh, distinctions between right. them. And and, the, the, and, the, and it, to have convictions and even to be able to defend right. those distinctions with passion. The issue is not distinctions. Right. The issue is not... Uh, the issue is not conviction. The issue is not even conviction over what I would call secondary or tertiary issues. I don't mind that at all. The issue is how, in fact, I would celebrate the differences and yep. the convictions, yep. even over the smallest things. Like my understanding of, um, I'm trying to think of like a theological category where you and I disagree um, that's pretty well defining. I'm a cessationist, are you? Okay, I wouldn't call myself a cessationist, okay. right? And so you and I can have some differences there. But I respect how you come to that equation. I I don't want to go around with saying, like, I don't want to go around saying, like, Lupriolo is an idiot. You know, how can he believe this Mm -hmm. backward doctrine? Um, Or I don't want to cancel you. In fact, I kind of welcome you into fellowship and say, like, actually, you could probably press on me. And and there's some some theological distinctions where we wouldn't be able to have fellowship in the same body. Um, But... Even still, I would still want to have a posture toward people that I disagree with of, you know, respect and honor and compassion, even if I have to say I they have such a conviction I couldn't even call them a Christian. So again, I'm not it's not that I'm not making distinctions. It's how I'm treating the people that I am distinct from. And that to me is the issue. So since we're talking largely about Christian on Christian attitudes, right? The the passage and, and this applies to unbelievers too, but the, the passage that I think really solves the problem, the passage, I think, the go-to passage for me at least, is Ephesians 4, 2 and 3. Verse 3 says, Christian, make every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Well, before he says that, he talks about four prerequisite qualities. Humility, walk, walk in a manner worthy of the Lord with right. all um, humility, with gentleness, with patience and forbearance. And so I think if we clothe ourselves as Christians with uh, with humility rather than pride, with gentleness rather than harshness, with patience rather than impatience, with forbearance, really it means tolerance, tolerance rather than intolerance, we should be able to navigate these things. And again, we're not we're not diminishing the importance of doctrinal integrity. I mean, no. we we are actually unified at Christ's covenant more by what we believe. Doctrine is really the bigger unifying factor than anything else. So we have to be you know persnickety about what we believe. We have statements of faith. We have position papers. But the issue is our attitude. The issue is: Do we manifest humility and gentleness and patience and forbearance, or do we manifest pride and harshness and impatience and intolerance towards others? And this is my heartburn with I think where Christians are right now, because it just feels like, and I'm not saying there's not exceptions. I hope we're an exception, mm-hmm. but it feels like Christians are fully in one camp of this just kind of like universalism. I mean, I'm not saying they're all the way universalist, but it's this just like 
doctrine doesn't really matter. Right, right, right. Or they're all the way in the other camp of doctrine matters and I'm going to bite your head off if you right. disagree with me at all. Right, right. And I'm just, I'm burdened by that. Yeah, it, it's not the way of our Lord. Right. Um, and, uh, and, 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 you know, it, it kind of is easy just to say, you know, you're right, you're wrong, I'm right, and just agree with me. It's really hard to try to understand the other person, figure out where he's coming from, why he believes that way, and then to to take that understanding and try to reason with him lovingly, gently, persuasively, if not winsomely, from the scriptures. And I think you're getting at really where this passage is so helpful. Um, if all you're looking at is the appearance, mm-hmm. right, and you're not willing to think, right, then you will make those kinds of rash and harsh and quick judgments. Do not judge according to appearance, but judge with righteous judgment. According to appearance, Jesus violated the Sabbath. Sabbath. You know, it's kind of funny. He says, you know, for the sake of the Sabbath, you uh, you break the Sabbath in order to circumcise, i.e. mutilate somebody in his flesh. And you're upset with me because I healed somebody yeah. on the Sabbath. Like, what's yeah. wrong with this picture? You're not thinking. Don't judge according to appearance, but get below the surface. Open up your Bible. Figure out what the Bible really says about these things and judge with righteous judgment. Yeah, and I think... That's not only like a Christian issue. That's just like a, you know, people, Colin Hanson, I talked about this in our little podcast a few weeks ago. People aren't thinking anymore. They're waiting for someone to tell them what to think. Mm-hmm. And I think that idea of righteous judgment, um, where we're called as Christians, like you just said, to be biblically minded, be spiritually minded, um, be in community of faith, right? And so it's not like we're, you know, it's not like we're only thinking by ourselves. We're thinking with one another, um, and but that's how we—that's how we come to righteous judgment, right? We're at our best when we're doing that, and I think we're most like our Lord. Amen. Well, good talk back. Uh, I feel like there's more that we could talk about, um, but I think that's you know I think that's good for today, Lou. So for Lou Priolo, I'm Jason Dees. Once again, thank you for listening to the Sermon Talkback podcast. If you have any other questions after listening, or if there's anything else you'd like to discuss with one of our pastors, please don't hesitate to engage our text pastor line at 404-465-1737. And once again, if you'd like to find more resources from our church like this one, please visit ChristCovenant.com forward slash resources. Thank you and have a blessed week.